Welcome to Illegal Double Team. We are Jonathan and Christina Snowden. We are still here. We still love professional wrestling. That's right. There was enough professional wrestling that we could just do a quick turnaround and get this knocked out before you take off to Europe. I even checked a couple German promotions to see if it would be possible for you to uh, go on the weekend to see a live show, but none of the dates were working out. They were, it's like completely across the country from you. Um, or, you know, or they skip the day entirely. So yeah, I couldn't it, find anything for and, you. And it's not a vacation. So yeah, I couldn't just like take a day off and You and have go. the weekend off. I Don't do, lie. I do have the weekend off. That's true. Thinking about <laughs> going to Dublin for a wrestling show. Oh my. I'm not going to go to any wrestling shows. Got stuff to do, but the thought, the thought was there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, that's how into wrestling we are. We're going to go across the world to another continent and instead of like exploring like these great cultural artifacts and stuff, uh, I'm gonna watch some wrestling. Whatever, we lived there for like four years. That's true. That's it was true. well explored. All right. Well, let's explore some professional wrestling. Uh, for those who don't know, I think that we have like the same few listeners every week. But if you're listening for the first time, every week we pick the five things we like most about professional wrestling. Uh, during the course of the week and share them with you and you can enjoy them and, and see if we're full of crap or if you enjoy the same kind of stuff we do. That's kind of the deal here. Well, for sure we're full of crap. Well, that's true, but you might also be... <laughs> you might like the same wrestling we do. <laughs> that's right. You may also be full of crap. So let's see. Uh, let's do the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. All right, number five. Uh, we did. We watched NXT. We got caught up, and uh, it was a good show overall. Yes, they, very good. They did their second round of their uh, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, and uh, both of those matches were enjoyable. Uh, but we actually picked the women's match as our favorite from this show. Uh, it was Io Shirai versus uh, Bianca Belair, like a number one contenders match uh, to face uh, the cha NXT champion uh, Shayna Baszler. Yeah, and these two women are, are excellent, and it was a really good match, and, and Shayna Baszler came out on commentary, and she is a, probably like the, the top actual heel in, in, in all of the WWE universe. Like She's just a, a great bad guy character. She has a, an, an ego, but without it being weird and kind of over the top, like it's a legitimate athlete's ego that you might see from an MMA fighter who really thinks she's hot crap. And uh, it's uh, it just really works. And then she went out there after they had this match, um, you know, before they could get to the finish, she went out there and choked everybody out. Everybody. Everybody. You came out of the ring, she was choking you out. The referee, half the people in the stands, <laughs> I, she was ready for whatever came her way. And uh, it was really an impressive performance. But before that, I, I feel like I'm like selling the match short because uh, they did a, a really good job. And, and there's a really cool spot that Bianca Belair does that I thought, I thought we definitely should mention. And that's where she hangs uh, her opponent up in, in the corner and then whips them with her, her big braids. Like, it, they, I mean, wow, that it made a noise like a Ric Flair shop. It does. It sounds bad. So what do you think? You're like, sometimes you're difficult to please with some of the women wrestlers because I know you always imagine yourself out there in their, in their shoes. What? And, and compare them to what you might be able to do. That's so, crazy talk. Well, what do you make of these two? Because, you know, there was a lot of concern when Asuka... Uh, went to, to WWE that the women's division would kind of fall apart and Bermoon left and you know it wasn't clear how wh what direction it was going to go in but it seems like they have found a, a well of talent there and, and it, it's you know to me it's just as good as it was in its glory days. 
Yeah, I, I, I like all of these performers. Um, uh, Bianca Belair is definitely coming along. She's super strong, and I, I see improvement almost every single time I see her. Uh, Io Shirai, I mean, she's a great performer. Uh, Shayna Baszler, I mean, I know she's a heel, but I like her. I mean, I, I like her a lot. She's a really strong performer. Um, I like her heel attitude. Um, you commented on Twitter that I was cutting promos while I was watching <laughs> NXT. I, I thought I thought she missed some opportunities um, to really show everyone like uh, the disdain that she has for these other female performers. I was trying to fill in for yeah, her, you were you were doing telepathing some, some ideas, some Shayna promos, <laughs> and hers aren't bad. Um, what what I think is like this is no disrespect to Ronda Rousey who does a fine job. But I think some of the praise that's directed at Rousey for her quick development and how she good she is as a new performer and stuff probably actually is more deserved by Shayna, who who is like I think is a legitimate like a, a legitimate star in the making, just really good in the ring and and the way she carries herself it's it's more believable. Even though Ron, Ronda was a better MMA fighter, obviously, but yet the way Shayna carries herself is uh is i i believe it more in, in the wrestling oh yeah ring. i mean shane is a much better professional wrestler for yeah. sure i mean she doesn't have the name recognition right. i understand but um she's much better at this than ronda well so I, I look forward to seeing what happens with her in the in the future because uh i'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen with rousey after wrestlemania there's talk that she's going to go back home and try to have uh, children and maybe she's only going to work a couple shows a year if any uh, so nobody really knows, but um, that could leave an opportunity for for Shannon to, to move up to the main roster and and kind of fill the similar kind of like tough tough girl MMA role. So um, that that'll be interesting. Well, in the near future, she's gonna have to get by all of these competitors because because there was no uh, number one contender picked because uh, the match didn't finish. She's gonna have to face Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and the Pyro Princess. Curry Saint in a fatal four-way. Yeah, hoisted by her own petard, as, mm-hmm. as they say. I, I understood how the two women in the number one contenders match were inserted <laughs> into the into a title match. Kyrie Sane was inserted into the match simply by virtue of coming out and getting beaten up, I guess. Yeah. So more than women should have just poured she, into the ring. Which she's one of their friends, so <laughs> she gets into the fatal four-way. I, I can't complain, though, because she's no, excellent. she's great. So, yeah, that'll be a, it'll be a match to look forward to for sure. All right, number four, we got caught up with MLW. And um, from the most recent show, our favorite match was um, the Hart Foundation versus the Dynasty. And that is uh, MJF and his partner, Richard Holiday. Yes. And th- this was still from uh, the taping in Chicago that I attended live with uh, Ryan Loco. And, uh, yes, it's only new for me. Yes, but I mean, so it's new for me to see how it's going to be presented on television. Uh, this was a match that really uh, got people's attention in, in the arena because uh, Teddy Hart... Uh, did such a great job selling his ribs that even like the wrestling journalists were like trying to like scurry to their sources to find out if he was really hurt and stuff. Yes, he was vomiting what appeared to be blood in the ring. Yes, he did that during a couple of his appearances on, on this television taping, and nobody was really sure what was going on. But I, I, you have to think that if he was legitimately hurt, they wouldn't have spent the entire match actually working over his ribs. It, you know, it's, it seems. It, it played right into their storyline, but also Teddy Hart is kind of an unusual fella. So, I mean, maybe he was really hurt and was like, go ahead and do it anyway, kid. That's what Stu would have wanted. 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. But that's how good he was. Like that nobody, Ryan Loco was there like ringside. And he was like, I, I don't know, man. I think he might have been hurt. But then he also, he did the per- picture perfect moonsault. So With help, though. He did need assistance. He did need from assistance Brian Pillman Jr. to get up on the ropes. Yeah, so they had all the details covered in this match. Yeah, it was well done. I love, like, I want to know where Teddy gets these, like, drawstring sweatpants that are also sparkly. Like, these are, like, leftover hammer pants. I don't know what the deal I'm is. not sure where the Heart Foundation shops, but I need to see the store. <laughs> I need to see it. This giant pendant and the sunglasses. Like, and Davy Boy Smith has a different... He's the serious one. But, like, he has, like, a different ring gear, like, every time I've seen him. Like, for years. Like, this guy must spend, like, every cent of his check uh on, on buying new ring gear or maybe they make it themselves can't you see teddy hart with all his cats surrounding him like in his in like his spare room in his apartment and uh, just like sewing away at this ring gear <laughs> i don't know i don't know i'm gonna have to ask him i i'm just i'm wondering like how does such a store stay in business is there like a whole town in canada where everyone dresses like this <laughs> i'm dying to know teddy doesn't even realize he's in a wrestling costume he's like that's what i was wearing anyway it's it's Friday night. <laughs> I mean, they do that they do that video blog, and and that's what they're wearing all the time, no matter where they are. So yeah, yeah there is that's also how it works. A hilarious skit before this, where Brian Pillman Jr. is in the pool, and uh, and he's uh, practicing his chops and his moves in the pool, and and he's explaining that he and the Hart Foundation have an advantage over all luchadors because they have to wear masks. And the Heart Foundation has full access to oxygen. And I don't know. That just made me crack up. It's making me crack up now. It's just good science. Just yeah. good medical science. I, I, I can't really uh, argue with him. These guys are great. And so MLW, if you don't watch it on the BN uh, Sports, uh, it, it's available the next day. I think Sunday morning it's available on YouTube. And it's absolutely free, and it is just a tremendous old-school wrestling show with modern... It's got kind of like an old-school vibe to it, but it has like modern performers and moves, and um, just the combination is really special, and I, I, I enjoy watching it every week. Yeah, so um, we didn't... that. We didn't actually get a finish in that match either, because we got introduced to the newest member of the dynasty, this Hammerstone. I forgot his first name. Alex. Alex Hammerstone. And I actually spent the last two MLW shows wondering why they were telling us that Alex Hammerstone, in addition to being a uh, great physical specimen and a wrestler, was apparently also a Wall Street genius investor. <laughs> and I found out that it's because he was going to become part of uh, the Dynasty, uh, who, of course, their gimmick is that the, they are these uh, rich, young millennials i guess or i guess they're probably even too young to be millennials um snots they're rich they're snots. rich young snotty snots. rich kids that's right and uh yeah they i mean so mlw has a great great stables of heels right now so you've got selena de la renta and and anybody that she's with like is automatically elevated into like a top heel status you have uh these guys and then also uh there's the new contra unit 
which is uh, Simon Gotch and Jacob Fatu and, and Salam, who is like just a brutal heel, is like stabbing people with ice picks. And Fatu is doing like moonsaults onto a guy who's already on a stretcher. And th- this is the show where the, the crowd went crazy. Somebody threw something at, the, at these guys in the ring, like an old school WCW when they used to throw stuff at the NWO. But this guy Salam caught it and threw it back, and the crowd got soaked. And then they really started throwing stuff. And uh, poor Ryan Loco is there, like getting getting hit by like cups and stuff. I mean, this was like legit heat. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I think MLW is firing all on all cylinders right now. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, I can't wait to see what happens with this contra because I think next week we're supposed to find out. Uh, we're supposed to hear their manifesto and figure out exactly what it is they're there to achieve in MLW. Well, I look forward to that. That's the kind of <laughs> stuff that you don't see when you go to the tapings. You don't see right. like the, the inserts and stuff and the, some of the interviews. So um, I'll see some new stuff and, and follow along with the, with the story further. Um, that that's gonna be. I'm looking forward to it. That's a that's a group that like just immediately like what an impact they made like just like in a snap. It, it, yeah, that was like deadly level heat. Yeah, from our we, ACW yeah, yeah, yeah. Days. Like uh, pretty close. If they had M- if MJF was in the group as their spokesman, I think they could <laughs> maybe get deadly level heat. You think they would throw things at MJF? Oh, they wanted to. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to number three. Uh, Ring of Honor had their anniversary show. Seventeenth. Um, Seventeenth anniversary show, and uh, uh, that was a that was a fun show, top to bottom. Yeah. Uh, but we picked as our favorite um, Jay Lethal, Matt Taven for the title. Yeah, for the strap. Yeah, and I was I mean I was really looking forward to this match because one I really like Jay Lethal, but um, this has been building for a long time. And um, you have Matt Taven, who feels, you know, disrespected, looked over in Ring of Honor. So he proclaimed himself the champion and made himself his own belt. And then you have Jay Lethal, who, of course, like, takes great umbrage at that because he is the actual champion. As you should, right? right? (laughs) Yeah, most definitely. And uh, so it's been building for quite a while. And... Yeah, it really kind of felt like maybe they were going to pull the trigger on Taven and maybe there was going to be a title change. I was pretty excited about that. And I was actually hoping that if Taven won, I kind of wanted the visual of him taking the Ring of Honor belt, taking his own homemade purple belt and doing like the Daniel Bryan and like throwing the Ring of Honor (laughs) belt in the trash and deciding that as champion, he was going to rep his own purple belt and continue what he calls his purple reign as the <laughs> ring of honor champion uh, um now we did get a great match we did not get a title change no um we they actually went to a 60 minute draw isn't that crazy uh, yeah it was actually crazy I, like if they had told you that like as much as i respect jay lethal and and matt taven like but i th- I always think of taven as more of like a personality driven wrestler necessarily like not necessarily a work guy so uh, the idea if you just said beforehand like hey matt taven's going to a 60 minute draw with jay lethal i'd have been like oh that sounds brutal yeah i yeah i might have just like passed or looked at highlights or something um yeah so i was really i, w- I was surprised like first of all i'm glad we watched the whole show yes because in a really bizarre twist they moved this match from the main event to the middle of the show, um, which 
I don't know that I've ever seen that happen before. Yeah, I'm not really <laughs> sure what was going on. They knew it was going to go long, so they had to cut some matches out of the show. Um, and I guess that's their justification. I don't, I'm not sure why they couldn't have still cut the matches out and had it go on last. Uh, well, I'm glad I didn't sit around and wait to tune in. Uh, yeah, just you would have been in bad shape. Right? You would have missed Marty Scroll and you would have missed the title match. Yeah, so, um, but I, we were sitting there watching the match and we were probably a good 40 minutes in before I started suggesting, like, how, you know, what's the time limit? How long have we been going and how long do they have? And, um, which, just tells you right there how engaged I was and, and right. how not bored I was, which is something like you said, I, you'd be afraid that you might be if you heard they were going to go to right. 60 minute draw and the announcers themselves, it was probably like another five minutes before they even brought up the idea of, well, how, yeah. what's the time limit? <laughs> so I think part of the reason probably that they switched the order of these matches is that it would have been difficult. I think for this match, as good as it was, to follow the, the insane tag team match that was the actual main event, which was the Villain Enterprises, PCO and Brody King against the Briscoes, because that was just such carnage. And this match was built around um, two big spots. One was Taven suplexing Jay Lethal through a table at, at ringside. And then later on, Jay Lethal set up, they set up a ladder and Jay Lethal did his Randy Savage elbow and then Taven moved out of the way and he went through the ladder. And those were huge spots in this 60 minute match. Uh, those were the high spots. But if that had followed everything that these, right. these crazy lunatics were doing in the tag match, it would have just been like, oh, who cares? Like We I saw also, them do a hundred things like yeah, that. Yeah, I also think it's a little bit risky to put a 60-minute draw at the end of a three-hour show. Right. Like, I, it does make more sense that you put it in the middle, you keep the crowd better engaged. Sure, they aren't give worn them, down from everything else that they've seen. And you give them a tag change with the baby faces on top as the final thing. So, yeah, that definitely makes sense in some ways. But, um uh, I don't know. I, I see mixed reaction to this match online, but I, I enjoyed it. It held my attention for 60 minutes. Yeah. And, and that says a lot because I'm um, notoriously uh, kind of ADD. Yeah, well, like I said, 40, 40 minutes before I even started wondering uh, how long they were going to go. Uh, so that's a good sign. And then I was driven a little bit by the, um, well, how much time is left? Are they going to go to a draw? Is this going to a draw? You know, the kind of the speculation and trying to figure out, like, did it feel like it was coming to an end or did it feel like it was going to a draw? And, you know, you know, with like five minutes left or whatever, it became pretty clear that we're not we're not going to get a winner in this. But I wasn't disappointed. I was okay with that. And then after it was over... Uh, you had Marty Skrull come into the ring like a little hamburglar and s actually steal the belt and run away with it. <laughs> and uh, so we have since learned that they're uh, going to determine uh, the champion in a three-way ladder match between Marty, who was supposed to get uh, the champion at the G1 Supercard, and Matt Taven and Jay Lethal. This is in the big show in New York. Yes. WrestleMania week. That's right. So, uh, yeah, I, I know you wanted to mention the, the commentary, Ian Rick, Riccoboni, <laughs> uh, Caprice Coleman, and Nick Aldis, the NWA champion. And for the most part, I think they have a very good chemistry. Oh, they do. And it was good announcing, but there was some stuff that, if we had been doing a drinking game, <laughs> you, you, you may have died. <laughs> yeah, it just got a little bit ridiculous. So, uh, I already knew, like... Uh, 
Caprice hates people telegraphing their big moves. Yeah, like if when Shawn Michaels would like stomp his foot on the ground yes. to say he was going to do sweet shit music, Caprice would go crazy for yes, that. Yes, yeah. Jay Lethal always telegraphs his lethal injection, and Caprice says something about it every time. And uh, turns out Nick Aldis really hates hot dogging. <laughs> really hates hot dogging. And he saw many, many examples of hot dogging in this show. I mean, he probably said the word hot dogging more than it's ever been said in human history. Like, probably at least 20 times on the course of I this had, broadcast. I, I started thinking it was like a bet that he had with somebody. <laughs> it may have been. Like, it may have been but like then trolling. Also, he would then he would also discuss grandstanding and showboating. Right. So it could just be that he really does hate hot dogging. I think those are lesser versions of hot dogging <laughs> in his mind. Like, they don't, it doesn't escalate. Grandstanding doesn't escalate all the way to hot dogging. Okay, it's granular. I don't know. It's uh... a... But it was it was a little ridiculous. So shout out to the to those guys though, because generally um, we're we're not we don't do any negativity on this podcast. But I think generally we we dislike wrestling announcers, <laughs> both of us. I think, and uh, these guys, I, I never like feel annoyed by them. And no. in fact, I often enjoy their commentary. So um, good good on them, and uh, continue the good work and minimize your hot dogging guys <laughs> that's right and then we'll move on to number two and number one and number two are both from uh new japan cup round two and uh, we're kind of doing it chronologically i guess maybe i don't know maybe you've decided that this is actually your number one and your number two in order of how much you enjoy them but number two, we picked uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Ibushi, uh, which was a great match. They always have a great match. Yes. So, yeah, they uh, they split two matches last year. Zack Sabre Jr. won at the New Japan Cup last year. And then Ibushi beat Zack Sabre Jr. in the G1 Climax last year. One so. of my favorite matches ever. Yes. like I mean, you, the sensuality of it definitely uh, appealed to you. I'm not going to say that. This may be their kids listening, so I can't say what you actually said. But, um, yes, they came close to, to expressing their love, it felt like. It's a good match. Okay. <laughs> this one was also good. Uh, it left me torn to shreds, though, unfortunately. Oh, Jonathan was an absolute mess. We got up early. Um, I, say we get, I say we got up early to watch it live, but really that's just when our kids wake us up. So we uh, watched the two uh, New Japan Cup matches live, and the second that was the main event, and the second the match was over, he literally just curled up into a ball on the couch and went to sleep for like two hours. <laughs> I didn't know how to handle it. I thought that once that he got past Naito, that my man Koto Ibushi uh, was gonna do great things, but. Uh, as great as he is as a wrestler, it just doesn't seem like Ibushi um, can capitalize on his great talents. Like, he should be the champion in any promotion he's in, and he just can't do it. And Zack Sabre Jr. is a great wrestler, don't get me wrong, but Ibushi should beat anybody in the world. <laughs> and so I I was just feeling really rough about it. And um, the, this match was good. So I, as I haven't had the heart to go back and watch it, but as I recall, the story of the match was about the Kamigoya 
uh, and w whether or not Ibushi was going to be able to execute it. So he tried it a couple times. So the, the, the match is built around all these reversals. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. is the master wrestler. So Ibushi would try one of his moves. Zack would, uh, would counter it, and then Ibushi would counter it back. And so that's in, in that way, so he missed the Kamigoya twice, but then was able to reverse Zack's reversal and get the advantage of his own. Um, one of those times, um, Zach got him in an arm bar and a triangle, and Ibushi picked him up and did like a, a Liger bomb, a sit-out power bomb. And then in the other one, if I remember, uh, it ended with uh, Ibushi getting a, a straight jacket German suplex. Mm -hmm. And so finally the third time, he went for his finisher the a third time. This time, uh, Zach Sabre Jr. was able to reverse it again and got uh, what... There's probably a name for it. Uh, we described it in our house as the Gooch Stretch. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what was going on, but he really was putting a working on Ibushi's Gooch. It's right. It looked bad. It, it was... looked painful. Yeah, I was. I was telling you. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't think he's gonna survive this one. Uh, his Gooch had taken all it could take. <laughs> it was a sad day. And uh, later on in the backstage comments, Ibushi uh, himself like noted the fact that. Um, and I think this is unusual in wrestling. He's a baby-faced wrestler. He's the good guy. And he quit. Like, he didn't pass out. A lot of times they'll do the, you pass out from the submission, you get choked out or whatever. No, he just quit. They just straight up quit. And, like, so there's something mentally going on with Ibushi where he doesn't know how to be successful. Maybe he doesn't feel like he deserves the success. I don't know. There's something really deep-seated inside. And um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I think emotionally he's just, he doesn't, think he deserves happiness that's what i feel well I, th I mean i definitely think the plan is that he's gonna have to work through this i'm assuming with tanahashi as a, as a mentor figure um and it looked like they were building to that so i i wasn't necessarily surprised that he uh it was out of the tournament i felt like if they're gonna build toward that story of needing to be mentored by Tanahashi in order to make it to that next level. Well, you can't have amazing success right away because then you don't need a mentor and you don't need someone to teach you how to get to that next level. So I think that's where they're going with it, but I'm not entirely sure. I'm never entirely sure where they're going <laughs> with anything. So, Well, I've recovered from it, so I look forward to seeing what's next. Yeah, so I, brought, I, I, got, I offered you some donuts, but you chose chicken wings instead in your grief and then uh really got fully back on your feet the next day uh with the new japan cup round two yano versus colt matchup which is our number one this week yes colt cabana has been on fire in japan in the last two months uh, he came over for the ring of honor new japan Supercards, i think is what they call them and it did a lot of great comedy matches there and now he's advanced to the quarterfinals or semifinals the the third round it'll be the quarterfinals of the of the new japan cup uh so that what a tremendous accomplishment <laughs> for him and this was a hilarious match i really enjoyed the gentle comedy stylings of yano <laughs> and uh, colt cabana like uh, plays perfectly into it they did a lot of things like uh, exchanging of the gifts, take my present, please. <laughs> Yano is a gentleman, always bringing a present. Um, hiding rolls of tape all over the place. <laughs> um, they did this spot where, like, uh, Yano is on the outside and he's gonna grab Colt as soon as he rolls out to the outside. <laughs> so Colt will like roll one direction and Yano will hustle over there, and then Colt will roll back the other way and Yano will hustle back. Um, it's funnier in 
if you see it. Then yeah, they he, bring red shoes into it. Yes, he plays into it well. And uh, I don't know. It's like less than 10 minutes probably. But just like the... It made me feel good to watch. It was fun. I'm yeah, sure I saw a lot of positive response to it. I think everyone I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, Colt Cabana, I think, is one of these like underrated performers who um, has put together this uh, really remarkable wrestling career, like a little bit outside of the box in a lot of ways, um, from like kind of like uh, halfway inventing the wrestling travelogue and the wrestling podcast, and and then also. Um, not feeling the pressure to deliver all these work work rate classics and and uh, being open to exploring wrestling as a comedy genre. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know a lot about him. Like the, he he was a star mostly in the the era where we weren't watching a lot of wrestling. But from what I've seen, at least from what he's doing right now, like not only is he really good on Ring of Honor as an announcer, but uh, when he does wrestle, like I always get a kick out of it. So. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun, and, and you know he's athletic enough um, that I mean you can you also can get like a good wrestling performance out of him, which is what we actually saw when we saw him live. Yeah, yeah, we saw him in in um, when New Japan came to Nashville, Tennessee, yeah. and he and Jonathan Gresham, I guess, were right, were were teaming together. I think that's right. And Lance Archer was on the other yes. side, and uh, Brody King maybe was the other one. I don't remember. I don't rem- no, it wasn't Brody King. Well, this is a great story we're telling. <laughs> anyway, um, Colt was there, and he was wrestling part comedy, part serious, and the, it, was, it was really well done. Right. Other guys were there, too, and they were great, <laughs> even though I've totally forgotten who they were and what they did. But I assure you, <laughs> we enjoyed it. All right, move on to the questions. I would say we would edit that out, but I'm never going to have the energy to edit that out, so enjoy the... The fact that I can't remember anything that happened like more than a day ago. All right. Reader questions. These come from our loyal loyal listeners on Twitter. We put out the the call for questions and you guys always deliver and we appreciate that. Um, Moose Bigelow, longtime Twitter acquaintance, wants to know which gimmick should be able to win matches in wrestling. Like, for example, if you had a garbage man uh, taking on Doink the Clown, like which one of those should be tougher? Uh, that's kind of the idea here. So, like, which wrestling gimmick, uh, in if it was a shoot, should should win? And they don't really do these great gimmicks anymore. But in the day, they did. Yeah, I well, we tried to like name some people who are still you know wrestling with a like an actual gimmick like that, and we we didn't come up with that many. I mean, what do you have? Well, so I was thinking of like some some older ones that, that might be good. So you think about like Sergeant Slaughter, the tough drill sergeant from Paris Island uh, Marine Corps. Right. Uh, that may have been good. And also like you think about this as like an athletic contest, which a wrestling match is. And then you think about somebody like Mr. Perfect, whose gimmick is he's a really great athlete and he's good at all sports. Like maybe that's a guy who could win a lot of wrestling matches. That's a gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um I th- for some reason, I was thinking about Joey Ryan, whose gimmick is um, he has a very powerful penis. I, you, it kind of feels like you're always thinking about Joey Ryan, a little to be bit, honest. A little bit. But So I don't know. Um, in real life, I don't know how having a powerful penis impacts uh, combat performance. But it could be. I'm willing to think about it a little bit more. And then you have like your various biker gangs and... Like, right. um Nation of Domination guys, uh, Kama Mustafa, the MMA fighter, and then uh, 
Ken Shamrock, the MMA fighter, is Brock a gimmick. Brock Lesnar, the MMA fighter and champion wrestler. Yes, and then there's like other, like uh, Big Show, his gimmick is a giant man. All right. I clearly came up with just totally different things than you. Uh, I thought about um, PCO, who is apparently a cyborg. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. And, uh, you know, I've been led to believe that because he's not human, he can't be hurt or killed. So that felt like it would be a pretty good gimmick in a fight. Um, I thought about Kenny and the fact that he can power up and throw a Hadouken. So that's got to be helpful, right? Against I, I hope, mere mortals. I hope you got the right move because if it is the wrong kind of Dragon Ball Z, like uh, flaming street, if it's Dragon Ball Z or Street Fighter, it depends. He'll write us a letter and say we got it wrong. So I hope you got it correct. I, I also just thought about, like, the crazy chicken farmers, the Briscoes. <laughs> and I've seen their YouTube videos, and I I feel like they would be pretty tough in a shoe fight. I'm thinking now, like, and I, a guy that I just met, uh, Ron Reese, the Yeti. Who's going to beat the Yeti in a fight? That's a pretty good gimmick. Um, yeah, I, I guess. So, I... Mm. I don't. I don't have a definitive answer. Yeah, that's a tough one. We're gonna have to get back to you on that one, Moose Bigelow. All right, Werewolf Jones wants to know what finishing maneuvers uh, just don't look good to you. You just don't think work. Nobody ever executes them right. Um, just leave you angry. Styles clash. You hate the styles. It clash. is the worst finishing move I've ever seen. I don't understand how it's supposed to work. I. <laughs> I, it just there's it doesn't like the guy's face doesn't hit the ground. No, no. What's supposed to be bad that happens? He takes the impact on his legs. It it is. Mm, don't get me started. Just don't get me started. I no. Styles Clash worst finishing move ever. It's pretty bad. The one that annoys me, and I know this because we were just watching his match, <laughs> um, and I love this wrestler, so I hate to say it, but um, Sonata from Lij. Uh, does this kind of it's called he calls it the skull end and it's kind of like a modified dragon sleeper i guess like he bends the guy over backwards and he grabs the top of his head and it's really unclear what bad is supposed to be happening most of the time it looks like he's just giving him like a hug on yeah, this or like making him smell his armpit yeah like what is going like i guess it's supposed to choke him or stretches be a neck crank of some kind yeah except he doesn't really crank the neck no so. he doesn't really grab a hold of the forehead he's like barely on top of yeah, the skull i guess i, I don't understand and it, it looks like I their agree. their head is constantly about to slip out yes. and they're just kind of like holding it there um that move really confuses me he also does that one where he ties people up in a bow and um they can't escape I don't really understand how that works either, but um, this one I really don't understand. And as great as he is, uh, that move is not good. Well, the the bow, I just accept as like um, a little bit of levity in a Sonata match. Um, it's fun. The crowd gets behind it. Um, he can build interesting stories like how Suzuki doesn't go in the bow when everybody else gets trapped by it. Right, because Suzuki's not fooling around. Because Suzuki is... Okay, this is real life right. for him. This is serious business. Yes. He's not getting that stupid fucking bow. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I, I understand it is a wrestling spot. I just don't understand how it's supposed to work. Right. And this, the same way. 
So um, maybe he's doing something that's just above my head. That's that's conceivable. Um, this wrestling is like about the limit of my intellectual capacity. <laughs> so um, I'm working on all cylinders right here. So <laughs> you have to forgive me. Um, J.C. Strickland wants to know, This is a, we asked for some questions that weren't all wrestling questions. Okay. So I wanted to know what, what are our favorite beers. And neither of us are big drinkers, but... Um... My favorite beer. I don't. I don't drink a lot of beer anymore. We spent four years in Germany. Um, I enjoy German beer. I enjoy Czech beer. Um, since coming back to the U.S., I, we haven't really. I haven't really been drinking beer. Um, while I was over there, I was a big fan of the Darmstadter Pils. Um, we were in, in and around Darmstadt, and that was probably one of my favorites. So for me, it was uh, the Lambic beers from Belgium, yeah. which are like fermented fruity beers. Yeah, they're fruit beers. Yeah, so they're named things like Frambois, which is raspberry, or Creek. Creek, which is cherry. And I would, that those would be the beers I would drink. And uh, I had one, they had one on the menu at one of the restaurants we went to in Belgium when I was over there with the army last year. And uh, the guys got a great kick out of me. Were they wondering what lady you were ordering it for? <laughs> I think it, I, th- I actually wasn't creek. It was framboise, so it was like a little pinkish. And uh, yeah, I heard a lot about it, but I'm confident in myself. And so I ordered my pink beer and I drank it. And I don't care what any of you think. Yeah, they're they're actually really delicious. That's true. So yeah, that's my favorite kind of beer. Scoff away. <laughs> um, Private Suave, another food related question, wants to know what is your favorite um, monster themed cereal the famous ones are count chocula blueberry um what is it called franken frankenberry is it frankenberry i you know what you'll have to answer this one because you know that i would do not eat those kinds of cereals well so i don't really like any of those cereals but um i'm gonna say that i do enjoy tricks which is like uh the the animal is an anthropomorphic rabbit of some kind which is a monster. It's like, true. So that's not it's a monstrous. Monstrous. And also Lucky Charms, uh, a leprechaun. Is, oh, for sure. Is monster. Clear, is clearly a monster. And so I'm going to go with Lucky Charms as my answer. A little bit, probably not what you were expecting, but, you know, we do things differently here. Yeah, I don't eat any of those cereals. But on National Cereal Day, uh, based on Twitter, I was led to believe that because I enjoy grape nuts, I am a monster. <laughs> You're just a weirdo. <laughs> what do you like about grape nuts? I don't know. I like the way they taste. And if you eat them fast enough, they don't they taste stay like grapes at all. <laughs> or even nuts. It's just total BS. Like, where do they even come up with that name? <laughs> I actually don't know. I They kind of look like grape seeds. But then they don't taste like grape seeds either because grape seeds are terrible. Yeah, I'm insulted by the whole idea of it. And you have to eat them. If you put milk on them, you have to eat them so fast. Within seconds. Yes. I mean, they turn to like mush. Like, yeah, like 30 seconds. I mean, you just got to like scarf it down. You just shouldn't do it. But I like grape nuts. Well, I like having kids so you have the excuse to buy any of the terrible cereals you want. So I like the ones that... Yeah, like... except our kids don't like terrible cereals. I know. That means you get to eat them all. <laughs> so what about like the ones, like the little, the cookie ones, the cookie crisps? They're basically just like little cookies. Like, 
I, I, I don't know. It was, it was very bizarre. We were, I was with my sister and her kids, and uh, it was a strict rule that they weren't allowed to have cookies for breakfast. Okay. But yet they, but they could have cookie crisps. No, they would give them cereal, like Lucky Charms with like extra marshmallows. Or, no, they had tricks with marshmallows. I was like, how is this any different? This it's is not, probably more sugar than this. It's 100% than that cookie. not different. So, um, anyway, questioning her parenting. I hope she doesn't listen to wrestling podcasts. Uh, probably not. Probably we're safe. All right. And so the final question, I can't read my writing about who it's from. Oh. Spark, spark and feline? Spark and feline? <laughs> spark and, spark or feline? Um, can't read the question either, but this is the one about, uh, they haven't watched wrestling. I think it's she hasn't watched wrestling since 04, 05. Right. And wants to know, like, how hard would it be to get back into WWE? Uh, is it even worth the bother? Okay. And so that's tough because I think it's a, easy to get back into wrestling, uh, but we're not like super into WWE, so maybe we're the wrong audience. Like, yeah, I guess it depends on why she's asking about WWE. If she's asking because she has cable and she's just going to check out the shows that are on every week, then uh, my answer is, eh, don't yeah, bother. Yeah, it's not worth it. Um, if she's asking about WWE because that's what she remembers... Um, then my suggestion for getting back into WWE, if you want to, is to get the WWE Network, um, watch the highlight shows to see what happens on the weekly television shows, and then watch the pay-per-views, or at least the pay-per-views that you like, and watch NXT every week. Yeah, so we found, we are firm believers in the fact, I don't even think you need to watch any highlight shows. Um, you can just watch the pay-per-views and, 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 and get right into WWE. They do, a, they do a great job of doing these packages that explain like all the feuds and stuff, and they'll talk you to death about it. You'll be tired of hearing about the feud, even just watching the pay-per-view in the five minutes before the match. So I don't think it requires any, you don't, you don't have to watch Raw, you don't have to watch SmackDown, you don't have to devote your life to this stuff. You can just watch the pay-per-view if you want to. And I would really suggest that you don't, because those shows burn you out. I mean, that's just my opinion. The it's, Raw and SmackDown. The Raw and SmackDown shows will just burn you out. Yeah, it sucks the joy right out of it. It's just too much. There's too much time to fill. They don't have good creative ways to do it. And there's just not enough wrestlers or stories to like really fill that time effectively. And so, yeah, I don't think that's necessary at all. But if you just want to watch a little bit of wrestling, um, I, I think, and if you like wrestling, the WWE Network is something to consider because it's only $10 or $9.99 a month. And not only do you get to watch NXT every week, um, which is really good, fast-paced young res wrestlers, um, on up-and-coming wrestlers. If you liked like the WCW cruiser rates back in the day or ECW that kind of stuff, like you might like NXT. And so you get to watch that. You get to watch the pay-per-views, but also you have access to like pretty much every pay-per-view that's ever happened in WWE history. And so if you just like wrestling, it's it's fun to go back and watch. And they've got all these old docu documentaries and just like all kinds of stuff. So it's it's something that you could spend a few hours on a Saturday if you wanted to and, and um, kind of go down memory lane. Their original programming is excellent. Too. I think, yeah, it's really good. It's, it's, you know, uh, and it's really gotten better, I think. And then their, their stockpile of stuff is just growing and growing and growing. So um, I never feel cheated out of that 999. So uh, it's something to think about. If you like wrestling, why not give it a shot? And they often, especially before like the big shows, like WrestleMania is coming up, they almost always offer like a free trial. Right. So um, sign up. 
see if you like it, and uh, maybe you maybe you'll uh, find yourself uh, a fan again. Right, and and you also suggested um, that if you don't want to pay for something, um, maybe give MLW a shot, free on YouTube. Yeah, I'm a huge evangelist for MLW since we discovered it. Like just the well, way she stopped watching in like 2004, and presumably was watching before that. Um, I think that the MLW style would be right up her alley. Yeah, it really, it really is nostalgic without feeling old fashioned. Like it, if you liked the the wrestling of the 1990s, I think especially, um, this is going to be something that you enjoy. It just feels very similar. And so uh, I always tell people to give that a shot and see what you think about it. Yeah, and it's free, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, if you if you're you know you you you're kind of hesitant to spend ten dollars a month on something you don't know if you'll like, um, jump in on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube, and, and see what you think about it, and, and go from there. All right, that's it for this week. And. Yeah, maybe we'll do this next week if, maybe. if the internet's working and life is... Uh, and the week after that. Oh, the week after that, too. Yeah, so yeah. we may be off for a couple of weeks, but um, uh, sorry about that in advance. But uh, please continue watching wrestling. Yeah, and next week, uh, or this upcoming week, we have the uh, remainder of the New Japan Cup. That's right. So whenever, whenever we see you guys, we'll be talking about some of our favorite stuff. And uh, yeah, it'll be fun. So you picked Okada. You're yes. sticking with it? Yes, I still feel like Okada's going to win. Not only is he going to win, he's going to win the IWGP Championship at Madison Square Garden to have that moment for the Japanese magazines and to uh, be in the history books as winning it in a sold-out arena in America. I think that's happening. Bold prediction. All right. What do you got? Actually, I'm with you. I I agree. That's what I see happening as well. All right. So maybe next time we talk, uh, we'll, we'll see if we were right. You'll be back before then. I'll be back before then. (laughs) Eventually, we'll see if we're right. Eventually, we'll see if we're right.